Hi there, you're listening to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This sermon, The Way of Suffering, is from 9 February 2020. The scripture is Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12. It is the second of four messages on the ways of Jesus. Thank you for listening, and may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In the 1940s, the Nazis invaded the Greek island of Zakynthos. I practiced it earlier, and I still screwed it up. Zakynthos. And when the Nazis invaded Greece, and they, they discovered that there was a Jewish community living on this island, that there were 275 Jews who lived and worked and, and enjoyed life on this Greek island. And they demanded a list of names so that they could arrest them and send them away to concentration camps. Bishop Chrysostomos and Mayor Lucas Carrer sat down together to figure out how to respond to this threat, how to stand up against such hate. In Philadelphia, United States, there is a, they call themselves a new monastic community. And when we think of monks, a lot of the time we think of, uh, we think of hermits and people off in caves, but monks live in monasteries and they live in community. And this is a new monastic community called Simple Way. And Simple Way is a, a group of people who have agreed to live together under a spiritual rule. And part of their spiritual rule is to care for and love the community around them, a community that includes a lot of impoverished people who have difficulty paying for food. So in 2012, the community was hit hard with a ruling from the Philadelphia City Council. It was now illegal to feed people on the street. It was illegal to go out into the streets and provide food or help to those in need. And Shane Claiborne, the de facto leader of the community, wondered what to do. Most of us wonder what to do in light of human suffering. It's one of the great struggles people have with faith, is what do we do when we proclaim on one hand the goodness of God, but on the other hand, we know people whose lives are not so good. Maybe people are sick. Maybe they have some sort of malady of, of body. Cancer afflicts so many people. I was speaking with some people the other day who were counting numbers of people they knew who were struggling with cancer. And we watch as 
our world is slowly being gripped by a new virus that we don't fully understand and, and don't fully know how to control. There's physical suffering in the world. There's also suffering inflicted on humans by other humans. There's suffering that's inflicted when we fail to recognize the image of God in each other. And we put our needs ahead of somebody else's needs and that causes harm and suffering. It doesn't take much to cause trauma. We think of trauma as, as being such a major thing, but all it takes is a seed of pain that can grow into the weed of suffering. And so what do we do? How do we live in a world with so much pain and suffering from some, but while others seek to avoid it? What gets glamorized in our world more than an escape from suffering? On the iPhone and Android app Instagram, you can find picture after picture after picture of people in glamorous locations around the world, people who, who seemingly have no job, no care in the world, nothing's going wrong. They're off somewhere standing on a mountaintop, wearing fashionable clothes, posing in a pleasing way, and it looks like they're just having the easiest life that there is. They don't suffer, they don't have problems. But then there are the more insidious ways of avoiding suffering. It seems to me like the people who beat the drums of war the loudest are the ones who have the least invested in the battle. That the politicians who seek to go to war the fastest would never live the life of a soldier themselves. We try to escape suffering in any way we can. However, what we look at in today's text is decidedly not an escape from suffering. What we look at is an image of taking on the full burden of suffering of the world. Now, we, we look at this, and a lot of times, very quickly, we identify the suffering servant, the so-called suffering servant, as Jesus. And we're not wrong to do so. But we have to kind of look at it from a different perspective. At the point that this was written... In Israel's history, Israel was exiled in Babylon. They had been humiliated, they had been defeated, they had been faithless to God, and they were exiled in Babylon, modern-day Iraq and Iran. And here, 
is a, an image of a servant who will suffer for the sins of many. Because from their perspective, it was their sin, their disobedience to God that had led them into exile. It was their sin that had taken them away. <clears throat> and a return to God would bring them back to their land. It's difficult to pin down just one solid interpretation of this. We point to Jesus as the Messiah and say he's the suffering servant. But if you were an Israelite at the time, you, you would not have said that the Messiah would suffer. You might see this as an image of the suffering of all of God's people, the Israelites, in the Old Testament. Because God frequently refers to them in Scripture as his son. You might see this as all of this suffering being laid on one person, but it wouldn't be the Messiah. The Messiah was going to come in a different way and conquer in a, in a more military sort of way. But he would not be the suffering servant who would be disfigured and marred and beaten and crushed. But when the early church read this, in view of the crucifixion and the resurrection, they said, yes, this is what Jesus was up to. And if that's what Jesus is up to, that's what we have to be up to as well. We participate in suffering with Jesus for the sake of the world. We as Jesus' followers. Paul, who wrote our call to worship, the Romans passage, was well-versed in the entirety of what we would call the Old Testament. And Paul knew about this, the image of this servant. And Paul knew about the interpretation of Jesus as this servant. But Jesus' victory does not exempt us from suffering. Because in the face of the world's suffering, what do we do? We come alongside the world. I'd like to show you a picture. This is my favorite work of art of all time, and I stole it. No, I did not. Uh, this was a Christmas gift from my mother. It is called The White Crucifixion by a French painter named Marc Chagall. And in this painting, you see scenes of the Holocaust around three-fourths of the painting. I'm going to leave this painting up here uh, after the service uh, before I take it back to my office later in the week. So if you want to come up and look at it, also in your bulletin is a link to the uh, Art Institute of Chicago website and that weird little digital-looking thing. If you scan that with your smartphone, if you know how to do that, it takes you there quicker. Otherwise, you can punch it in the old-fashioned way. 
But if you look, three-fourths of the painting is, is surround, surrounded with images of the Holocaust. Above, at the top of the painting, we have patriarchs and matriarchs of the Israelites. And at the center of it all, we have Christ crucified on the cross. And it's called the white crucifixion because he's bathed in a white beam of light with a dove signifying the Holy Spirit. There's no dove. That's somebody's foot. I was wrong. <laughs> it happens every now and then. And in this image, we see how we deal with suffering in the world. First of all, we have to see it. Because it's very easy to look away from suffering, isn't it? It's very easy to be aware that there's suffering in the world and not care. It happens all the time. And sometimes we don't look away necessarily for malicious reasons. Sometimes we look away because we feel so overwhelmed. We feel so overcome by the burden of suffering that somebody's going through that we just avoid it. We don't feel like we know what to say. We don't feel like we know what to do. When someone's loved one is lying in a casket, all hope for healing lost. Sometimes we feel a little uncomfortable saying, you just let me know if there's anything I can do for you. And so we look away. But for a Christ-like approach to dealing with suffering, we have to stare suffering straight on. We can't turn away. When illness happens, it breaks the image of God. When sickness and disease come around, it shatters the image of God. When human cruelty is involved, it breaks the image of God. And that's sin. And so we look at it. And then we inhabit it. We live into the suffering of the world. Now, how do we do that? That's easier said than done. Because that's where our suffering servant comes in. We face the same things that suffering people face. We come alongside them. We may not know what to say, but we can sit with them. We can be with them. We can make sure that whatever suffering they're going through, they're not going through it 
alone. We may not understand at first, but the longer we sit with suffering, the more we learn to empathize with people. We suffer with them. Because when we love somebody and we live into their suffering and their pain, it becomes our pain. C.S. Lewis, later in his life, married an American woman named Joy Davidman. And Joy had severe bone cancer in her legs. And one night she was in the hospital on the brink of death. And Lewis prayed fervently that the Lord would allow him to bear some of the pain that Joy was bearing. And he said that suddenly he underwent such an intense pain in his legs that he could barely stand. And it was that same hour that Joy's health turned and she began the healing process. That's the sort of level we need to be into. Because when we see the world through the view of the cross... we can inhabit the pain of other people. When we look at the world through the view of the world, that's when we can look away. And lastly, we embody suffering in ourselves. In our day-to-day lives, We sacrifice our own will, our own ways, and our desires. We carry our cross daily. And we follow Jesus. And in the course of our day, there may be many places where we are called on to put someone else's will ahead of our own. But that's what we've been called to. That's what Christ did. And we follow Jesus' example. We embody the suffering of the cross as people of the cross. And by doing, we show the world the way to God. Because the way to God is not through strength and power and might, but it's suffering. Jesus teaches us the way of suffering but that on the other side of suffering is redemption. Because the redemption comes when people see the salvation of God through suffering. That's our great witness to the world, is being co-suffering people with the world. Shane Claiborne in Philadelphia and his companions at The Simple Way set up tables outside their house and they spread out a banquet on the tables 
And they instituted the banquet as the Lord's Supper. And it was no longer feeding the homeless. It was a religious celebration that was protected by the First Amendment. Bishop Chrysostomos and Mayor Lucas Carrer, they did indeed give the Nazis a list of names. But they gave them two names. And the names on the list were Bishop Chrysostomos and Mayor Lucas Carrer. When we suffer with the world, God moves and acts, and we see the redemption of God with our own eyes. Amen.